It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I see Coach on. We're going to bring him on in one sec. You guys got to fill for 30 seconds just so I can make sure he hears us, and we'll bring on Coach Wallace. All right, you do that. Gary Waters, the former uh, coach at Cleveland State, the winningest coach uh, in Cleveland State history, spent 11 years there, six times, took the Vikings to postseason play. And uh, had a real nice run in 09. They, they stunned yeah. Wake Forest and made it to the uh, to the second round. Was Doesn't that you feel like the NCAA tournament loses momentum this week a little bit? Yes, because there's so much time between games. Right. It just feels like, you know, the women get it right. The women are starting up tonight, right? Their yeah. final four. They yep. are. Yeah. yeah they and Coach Woodard's with us now from Vegas. What's up, Coach? Coach, coach how, how are you? you? What's up, Coach? I'm doing well. How are you? We're great. Thanks. It's great to see you. Um, you know, we wanted to pick your brain a little. We want to talk about your book coming up, but we also wanted to pick your brain a little bit about the Final Four because we know that you still follow the men's game closely. Um, this is probably the most unconventional Final Four that I can ever remember in my lifetime. You've got, uh, I think, a four, two fives, and a nine, and the matchups are Florida Atlantic against San Diego State, which means one of them is going to the title game. And then in the second game, you've got I don't want to call them blue bloods, but UConn has won, I think, four titles. So they're, you know, they're a traditional power who's found their right. way back. And then Miami's in their first Final Four. How do these games match up? What would you, what would should we look for in the Final Four? Well, I tell you, this, it is quite interesting, isn't it? I mean, you've ne- I've never seen this all the time. I've been in basketball as well, but you know, I think there's a reason behind this. Think about it. Uh, Number one, many of the teams are older teams. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been in there for a number of years. And because of the uh, pandemic, it caused a, a drawback. And it said, now we're going to give you an extra year to continue your education. So right. you have 22, 23, 24, and then some teams had some 26 years old on their team. Wow. So they're experienced teams. They're playing hard and they're, and, and, and they're playing for each other. You know, before you were concerned because kids leaving programs, but because of them getting the one year back, they didn't leave their programs. They stayed there. So that's why I think a lot of things are going on that way. Coach Shane. And the other, and, and answering your other question, uh, I think uh, this is quite interesting. You're going to have a mid-major in the finals. Right. And, yeah. and I think you go all the way back to when I was coaching and Butler went to the finals. Remember, they went back-to-back yeah. finals. Right. And that was the last time I think a mid-major made it to the finals. And uh, and if that happens, that's un- unbelievable because you just never would expect that. But they, they played well. Both all the teams that are in there played extremely well. And I'm really f- fascinated by uh, Florida Atlantic. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they don't have a lot. 
in regards to financial support, but they're all the way here. And that tells you something unique, what's happening in college basketball. Yeah, that matchup, Coach, is really interesting because it's the two mid-majors. You talked about Florida Atlantic ready. San Diego State defensively, I mean, they've been magnificent on on that end of the floor, and that seems to, you know, defense travels, it, it seems like, better than the offense, which is why I was leaning towards them. But I don't know. Which way are you leaning in that game? Well, I hate to say this. Even though you, you had the uh, the Cinderella in there in Florida Atlantic, I think San Diego State is just too physical and too tough and also very old. I mean, they, they're going to have to deal with some players that have been there in this game for a long time, yeah. and they're very, very physical. Uh, Dutcher and I go back a long way, all the way back to Michigan. That's how I, uh, you know, I know him extremely well, and I knew his dad. Because his dad was at Eastern Michigan. So I remember him and we had a great relationship. So I know the quality of basketball he's bringing to the finals. You know, Coach, when you look at, um, you know, some of the Blue Bloods, you look at uh, Roy Williams is no longer here. Coach K is no longer here. Jim Beheim is out of, out of here. Uh, you know, the coach from Villanova, Jay Wright, he, he's gone. It, it, do you believe that this is something where you see mid-majors kind of creeping in there and that this thing could be the new norm? You know, you may not have as many, um, you know, one-and-done guys who come in like a Carmelo Anthony that are just studs and just lead their teams to championships. Is this something that you may see mid-majors just with older teams consistently be able to beat some of the, the larger name schools and continue to this one for a couple years after this? Well, you know, in answering that question, let me first say uh, you left out a blue blood, Gary Waters, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, uh, you know what? I, I think they're they're coming. I think now because of all the new things that are hit in college basketball, the uh, portal, the NILs, all those things are giving them ample chances to get out there and, and find some players that they normally wouldn't be able to, to find. However, I'm going to say again, this is a unique year because of the pandemic. Now, I think it's only maybe two more years at the max left on that. You get that one year because of the pandemic for the players that came in at that time. So, you know, that's going to end. And so now the Blue Bloods are going to get back at it and you know they're going to be getting some great players again. Coach, I, I, I'm curious, um, you know, you coached in the Big East with, with Rutgers, and a lot of our fan base doesn't care. This is a selfish question just for me. I, I, grew, okay. up, I grew up in New York as a huge St. John's fan because I grew up with Chris Mullen and Mark Jackson and Walter Berry and, and Ronald right. Test a little later, who I met at an airport and was like, was, was I don't know. I met, sorry, I didn't meet Ron Artest in the airport. I met Malik Seeley in the airport. Ah. And Malik Seeley was an, was an awesome, awesome dude. But anyway, St. John's, as you know, has gone down the tubes. They haven't been as good a team uh, for a long time. They haven't been in, in the NCAA tournament for a while. They've gone through some, some solid coaches, but nothing's worked. Well, now they've hired Rick Pitino, who's one of the all-time great coaches, but, you know, he's done some things off the court, I don't, you know, whatever. Uh, do you think he, <laughs> yeah, yeah. do you think he turns that program around? Like, can can St. John's get back to being what they were back in the day, or even with Patino, is that impossible? Well, I think he turns it around, but I don't know if they can get back in the day like they were when St. John's was was a power. Now you got to remember. Let me give you something that you probably don't know. Back in those days, they had a rule out that uh, if 
if a player lived in a community, meaning in in a, in a certain area, okay, and, and they gave that person cost of living to live in that area if they didn't live in the dormitories. And I'm talking about twenty, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars. Right. Back in that time period, both St. John's and DePaul were schools that did not have dormitories. So all their players, you take Rick Berry and all those guys lived at home and got money. So they go say they would stay home regardless. So, and that's why I thought they were so strong during that period of time. Yeah. Now St. John's have dorms and St. Paul and DePaul has dorms and you see what has happened. Right, They're yes. not the same anymore. Yeah. However, to, to springboard that a little bit by adding Patino, in my estimation, one of the greatest college coaches of all times, uh, he knows how to get, how to, how to man manipulate, to maneuver, to do whatever is necessary <laughs> to make his team successful. Okay. I'm just telling you that. Yeah. And he, <laughs> and I'm telling you this, uh, if you think about that, I own a team, it's been successful the last two years he's been there. So I don't expect it to change, but I, and I do think that they will get more players coming out of that Eastern area, meaning yeah. New York, New Jersey, coming to St. John's that hadn't been there before. Nice. Yeah. That's going to be fun to watch for yeah. sure, to see yes. whether or not he can jumpstart that program yeah. and get it back to what it's, where it was. I have to ask you about the story of recruiting local boy, now NFL superstar and two-time Super Bowl champion Travis Kelsey. You you tried oh, to recruit you, him, right? You remember that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm going to tell you something. Travis was very close to coming to Cleveland State. And and I loved his mom and dad. We had a great relationship. And his mom literally wanted him to come to Cleveland State so he could be close to home. And Travis really loved basketball. You know, it's funny. I've had, in each program I've been in, a player that went into the NFL. Wow. You know, Antonio Gates. Uh, 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 I had one at, at Rutgers. Uh, so I'm telling you, that that's not an uncommon thing I've been used to. So when I went into that household, I knew that football was prevalent in that person's mind. Right. However, I knew his abilities. And when I seen his abilities, I mean, our conversation ended where I felt he should take, he should go to a school that also had football mm -hmm. because of his abilities. I didn't want to limit him from that. So, but I tell you, he, he was really close to saying, hey, I want to come to Cleveland State and play basketball. Wow. I mean, how good was how good was was he? I, you know, you go back to uh, look at it. Some of the best football players to play basketball, obviously, Tony Gonzalez. You got uh, uh, Antonio Gates was a guy. Julius Peppers um, played football. Ronald Curry played football and basketball. How just how good was he in terms of uh, uh, you know was he a, a player that could have been somebody on a D one level and, and could play the noise? NBA? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. I don't think he was that level because he was because of his size. He was only what six six at the max, 
and and he and he, he could score the basketball, but he would have to do something very very special. But at the at the mid major level and at the collegiate level, I thought he would have did extremely well. Because I give you an example at uh, Cleveland State, I had uh, uh, Bullock. You remember him at at uh, at Cleveland State? Yeah, and he had a great career there. Let me tell you something. I seen something that I had never seen before. When Bullock, uh, Jonathan, his first name was Jonathan Bullock, was uh, in his senior year, and we, we went to the NCAA. He was the major one that led us to the NCAA. And uh, and he had some, he didn't have uh, uh, professional offers at the at the NBA level, but he had a lot of foreign offers. But the, the NFL wanted him because he was an All-American out of high school. So they came in and they talked to me and everything. Do you know they took over, they did a, uh, what I call a, a process with him to train him to see if he was, if he was good enough. Wow. They came in to, to Cleveland and Cleveland State. They took over the entire school, the NFL. I mean, they took the, the soccer fields, everything, and they had, they had training programs in all those just for this one person. That tells you how sophisticated the NFL is. Amazing. His own Co little pro day. Yeah. Coach, uh, yeah. I, I know you're in Vegas, uh, the NIT championship, UAB, North Texas. You're on the selection committee as well. Who you, who you, who you like it? Uh, who you think is going to win tonight? And uh, what happened with UNC? They didn't, they didn't want to play in the NIT? Yeah. Uh, they didn't want – they felt, that, you know, the, what came out was that uh, – they had some, you know, some issues within their team, and they didn't want to do it. You know, and I hate to say, you know, you want them there, but that's not uncommon. Because I mean, I can't say it's not uncommon because uh, I had a situation similar to that when I was in Rutgers or at Rutgers, and uh, the first year we went into the NIT, and, and and my players didn't really want to be there because they thought they should have been in the NCAA, and so we lost our first game in, in, in the tournament. I think it was three years later we went to the NIT, or two years later we went to the NIT and we were playing, uh, and we ended up going to the championship game playing Michigan. I don't know if you remember that. Rutgers played Michigan championship game and all that. Before we went to that tournament, I gave them all an ultimatum. I said, hey, if you're not going into this tournament to play, I'm not going to accept the invitation. Right. And I gave, I gave them a ballot. They all voted, <laughs> coaches alike. And we, they made the decision they wanted to go, and they played extremely hard and did well and went all the way. I mean, we beat teams like in, in the tournament back then. We beat Villanova. We beat West Virginia. We beat Temple with John Cheney. I mean, and they and they did it because they went in there prepared to play it right. and really excited about playing, playing in it. The uniqueness of the tournament this year, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I don't know, you haven't mentioned this to me, but think about the USA Conference. They have two in the finals of the NIT. They won the CBI uh, with uh, Charlotte winning that. And then they got Florida Atlantic in the final four. Yeah. It's a hell of a See, basketball conference. See, no one's talking about that mid-major conference that's dominating college mm. basketball. It's yeah. a great conference. It really is. Hey, Coach, before we let you go, you've got a book, 10 Principles of a Character Coach. And uh, I, I want you to tell us a little bit about it. My son is coaching track and field at Rutgers. And I'm going to tell them to read this book. So what is okay. what are they, what are young coaches going to get out of this book? Now I'm going to tell them I'm going to tell you about this book, but then give me a second to tell you about my next book coming out this year. And it probably right. won't come out to November, 
And and this has got a lot about Rutgers in that book. So I'll talk nice. to that later. But the book I have right now is Ten Principles of a Character Coach. The whole purpose is helping coaches understand you need you need character. And that's what I'm all about. And if in our society today, that's a major issue. And we talk about the, I, the principles of being uh, a character-driven coach. And, uh, and I tell you, I, uh, last year I went to the, f- the Final Four and they had me speak on it, okay? This year I'm at the Final Four and they're doing a book signing for me. But uh, what, what I'm telling you is the coaches really need this. And when I went to the one a year ago, the room was filled and I didn't, I didn't speak until the last day, the, uh, the Monday of the championship game at, at that afternoon. I didn't wow. speak to that then. And I said, man, no one's going to come to this thing. And not only that, they, they don't have your name on, on the schedule. They just have your topic on the schedule. So I didn't know. I said, oh, you know, nobody's going to primarily be there. I went, to, I went to that room, and that room was filled. And afterwards, I talked with coaches. I said, why, why did all you come to this? You know, why are you here today? They said, because we need character in our program. So character is such a vital issue in our society today, and I hope people strive to do that. Secondly, let me just say, I got a new book coming out. It's called Coaching Millennials from a Character Perspective. Ooh. Now you gonna, you gonna want to get that. <laughs> now that's tricky. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that and crazy. and it's you know each book like first the first book Ten Principles, uh, the highlighted time was when I was at Cleveland State. This the one that I'm talking about with millennials is when I was at Rutgers. So you know nice. it, 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 it's 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 great reading. Well, uh, your kids always graduated. You always had character kids in your program, and look. Um, that's one of the most important things parents should be thinking about in the recruiting process. I know the kid makes the decision, but the parents want their kids to be with a character individual that's going to not just grow them as an athlete, but also as a person. And you, you, you won championships in that, in that regard. You always had character guys and they all graduated and became better people. Coach, thanks for joining us. Good luck with the book. Good luck with the second book. I think that's going to be a really hot one because that's a tricky topic. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. Well, hey, it's been great talking with you, and uh, and it's been great being on your program. Thanks, Thank Gary. You. We appreciate it. Yeah. Take uh, care now. A, a very familiar face yeah. to basketball fans here in yes. Cleveland. And uh, as I said, the winningest coach in Cleveland State yeah. history. It's interesting with these other tournaments, the NIT, and now they have this, the CBI thing. It's like it, – it's kind of like the bowl games in college football, like – Sometimes you look at a game and you're like, well, that team is better than that team. But you don't know what a team's motivation is going sure. into these games because you can't play for the highest championship in that. Yeah. So I would think as a player, like, I, I would want to win, even if I'm disappointed that I'm not in the biggest tournament. If I'm playing, I want to win. Especially if I'm North Carolina, yeah. I want to prove to everybody that we did be- belong in the big tournament. And, the, 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 you know, not that there's any joy in saying, yeah, we're yeah. number 69 because, you know, that's right. essentially what you're saying. You're not better than any of the teams in the tournament. At least that's what the committee thought. But, my gosh, yeah. just, you don't want to lose that tournament. No, no, Because no. then you just well, make everybody. Well, did Rutgers play in there? Because, obviously, if they did, they lost. I don't, I don't you know. They were pissed. Rutgers played, had a home game, and lost in the first round. Didn't yeah, want right. to be there. They didn't they want thought, to be there. They thought they were worthy of being in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they felt snubbed, and they went in with the wrong attitude, and they got right. doinked. My yeah. coaches used to always say, look, you never know when your last bucket is going to be. Like, 
some of these dudes ain't going to the league. You might, you gotta, you don't want to look up and regret yeah. that. Yeah, you, go I, play your ass I, off. Play I, to win. I know, know it's, a di- it's a very different story, Division One and Division Three. But when I was in college and I would, you know, do play-by-play for the games at Brockport, there was a couple of years where we didn't make the NCAA tournament. And Division Three, it's very hard to make the NCAA tournament because there's so many teams, right? Way more than in Division One. And you know, this, they still only take 64 teams or whatever it is. I think it's 64 in Division Three. Correct. And right, it is. Yes. And, but there's way more teams in Division Three. But there would be a couple of times. I don't know if you guys did this. There probably was a version in each. There's the NIT version of it. It was like yeah. an, it wasn't called the NIT, right. but there was like a local tournament for. And our, we always had fun. You know, you want to win. Sure. If you have a chance to play, go ahead, Mikey. Yeah, we actually played in that uh, twice during my time at Edmonton. ECAC, also, maybe. The ECAC, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Uh, yeah. Also, three UNC starters transferred after the season, so they yeah. clearly had no interest in playing again. Yeah. Right. It is 12-20, which means it's time to remind you guys that the 12 o'clock lunch hour of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show is sponsored by Colleg Racing, the official NASCAR team of Northeast Ohio. And now it's time to talk some Browns, and our Browns yeah. talk is brought to us by Lincoln Electric looking and hiring for great jobs. They are the region's leader in manufacturing and welding. Lincoln Electric, check them out. Very good. Um, we've got. How do you want to play this? You want to go right into Browns? Do do this Brown stuff, and then we're gonna do some Brown stuff. Yeah, and I'll, I'll set it up here at yeah, the so. owners' meeting this week. Jimmy Haslam was asked essentially if there is a playoff or bust situation here for the coaching staff and a lot of the players on the right. Browns, and he said the answer in an elongated fashion. So I condensed it into a uh, shot here. See, so we take it full here. But essentially, what he said was, and this is Jimmy Haslam. I think that we have expectations to go to the playoffs, but I'm not going to say if we don't make it, XYZ happens because that'll be the headline tomorrow. Listen, the AFC is tough. You've all been around. Our division is tough. But he went on to say the expectation is certainly the playoffs. Yeah. Knowing what we know. Yeah. Can I can I run that through the BS translator? Yeah. You're getting fired if you don't go make the playoffs. It's a non-ultimatum ultimatum. ultimatum. I mean, well, I I don't even look at it that way. He said, I'm not going to say you're getting fired if you don't make the playoffs because that will be the headline. Right. He didn't say, I'm not going to say that because that's not true. Right. I I would say, listen, first of all, the caveat you always got to say is you never know with Jimmy because he does his own thing. I I would think there are, like, let's say uh, there are 100 scenarios that the Browns don't make the playoffs. hundred different things right. lead to the Browns not making the playoffs. I would say there's five to ten of those things that they could not make the playoffs and maybe you'd still keep them. Right. Let's say the Browns won ten games and lost a tiebreaker to lose that last spot. Are you firing the coach off of that? Probably I not. probably wouldn't. Probably not. Let's I think say, he can survive. I think others right. might be in trouble. Let's say the Browns are <clears throat> nine and three. And then Deshaun Watson gets hurt, misses the last five games, and they don't. Like, there are sure. weird scenarios like that. Yep. But outside of those things, like, if they just are not good this year, it's he's out. Yeah. It's he's gone. I, I think and everybody's if, gone. I think if they win fewer than nine games, like, if, if, if you're eight and nine. Oh, my God. And you're taking a step backwards, I think that's the – you want the continuum. You want to be going in the right direction. And this this program was going in the right direction, and then it went down twice. Man. Yes, now so I gotta he, have I gotta have improvement. He's right. The AFC is extremely tough. We all know this. It's a this piece. is as good as the. A, I think there's a bigger differential between the AFC and the NFC than we've seen in a long time. I would agree with that. The AFC is very tough. Yeah. There's no guarantee, even if Watson plays great, that the Browns are definitely going to make the playoffs. 
But if if Watson does play reasonably well, even if he's not as good as Houston, but way better than he was last year, he's he's just very good next year. The expectation is they should make the playoffs, even if they're the seven seed. Yeah, they got to be in. At the very least, they have to be in the hunt, minimum and legitimately. Not like the twelfth team on the board because they're five and eight. You know right. what I mean? My- like they. I, I think if they don't make the playoffs, there's a 90% chance everybody's gone. This is why I always, I was told, always, you know, talk about new coaches. Yeah. New coaches, when they come in, you know, they have this false sense of security that they got three, five, six years to come in, turn everybody over, get their quarterback. You don't have time for that. You're like, you, you, you got to win and make progress on the fly. <laughs> and, you know, my mom used to always tell me, like, we used to have these intern report cards, and she would be like, it's always easier to start well during the semester than, than starting bad and trying to make up those grades because you, you have very little room for error. If you had only got two tests, you, you got a final and a midterm, right? And you got some homework to turn in in a paper. If you bomb the midterm, you got to be perfect on the paper. You got to be perfect on, on, on the homework. You just gotta, to get up to a C. Just to get to a C. Yeah, it's and, like a grade point average and a batting average. And now you see the Browns, and you're like, they're like, well, wow. The fans are like, well, why, where is this pressure coming from? Why is this this urgency? And we're like, well, listen, you, you didn't draft well. So pretty much you had to spend all your free agent dollars in fixing the things that you didn't do well. You didn't draft, so now you got to fill those holes. And now your cap is a certain pl- way. And you don't have room for error for injuries. So it's like, yeah, we only got one line of players. If they get injured, now we got some guys coming in. It's too much to be doing in one year. That's why when people say on Twitter, yeah, G Bush, you can't get too excited because you can't do everything in one year. I say, yeah, I know. But you punted last year. <laughs> so well, you got it. Yeah. You got it. I always suggest spreading things out and making incremental moves to get yourself better into a point where, hey, I don't got to have that much pressure. When I look at the Browns, I see a roster that is, in my opinion, is capable. (gasps) It doesn't mean anything. Listen, anything's possible to the extreme. I think the realistic scenario for the Browns, the realistic best case scenario is they're the fourth best team in the AFC. To me, that's the realistic. That's the high end. That's the realistic best case scenario. I would agree with that. they could be even higher than that, but that's a minuscule chance. But real, like somewhat reasonable, best case scenario to me is they're the fourth best team heading into the playoffs. That doesn't mean they couldn't go to the Super Bowl if they were, but whatever. Right. And to me, the roster they should be n- no worse than the eighth or ninth best team. Now, yeah. you could say, well, that's not good enough eighth that's or ninth playoffs. But I'm saying, like, I don't agree. I don't agree. Top think, four, top four is not their city. If everything work out well, I think they could beat the Bills, and I think they could beat the Bengals. I, I see, don't. Okay, I'm just telling you right now, G. Like going into the season, there's no way, like anything's possible. Good money's going to pick them but, at best fourth. Good right. money the, because could, could they? Yes. I can't pick Deshaun Watson ahead of Burrow and and Allen right now. Those guys have played great and Watson hasn't for right. two years mm-hmm. and it's not like the Browns have this major advantage in other spots there are some areas in the roster they have advantages over those teams but not enough in the rest of the team that I could say well it's a so if you're I'm just saying of course it's pop Browns could be the number one seed next year anything's 
possible. You said it's not likely. I'm just saying of the likely the scenarios, the okay. things that I think are a, a 20% chance the are Vegas better of happening. Money is okay. going to have that is, is no higher than fourth. the fourth and ninth best team. And I think and that's I fair. think their, their highest scenario is they're the sixth or seventh team in the AFC, which is good enough to make the playoffs. The roster is good enough to make the playoffs. If they don't, again, outside of another Deshaun injury, uh, a bizarre tiebreaker where they win 10 the games. Outside of those slim circumstances, there's no excuse. If yeah. they finish 8-9, and 9-8, nine, nine and eight, and they're healthy, I want everybody out. I want the coach out. I want the GM out. I'll keep Schwartz and, 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 uh, and Bubba because they're here the first year. But I want the head coach and the GM the hell out of here if they don't make the playoffs. Yeah. Or I, pretty much. I, I, you, like you said, it is, you know, it's got, you got to look at it. You got to see what, right. what happens. But I think the, the crazy thing is, G. Bush, when you say, I, 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 don't, I disagree with that, the, the, the Browns last year, I always say this, there were just, the gap was too big between their low and their high. Remember, they beat the Bengals handily at the end of October with a backup quarterback. When I, just, when I look at that version of the Browns, I say what you just said. Hell yeah, they can beat the Bengals. Hell yeah, they can be top two or three in the in the AFC because that's the team that we need to see. The problem with the Browns is it was like this. Well, and I it think it was too up and down. And I know everybody's yeah, up and down. Everybody, but you can't beat the team who's running for the Super Bowl two years in a row. Right. The Bengals were right there. Right. And and then lose to the Jets and the Falcons right. in the manner that and, you did. But that's the thing. That's the difference between the good teams and the bad teams is. Even even the mediocre teams, except for maybe the worst three or four teams, even the mediocre, you know, below average teams, they'll have a couple of games like the Browns did where they look great, and you're like, well, yeah. why can't? It? But the teams that are great play that way consistent. Not every game, right? But cons- look at more the, often than not, play at when that you look level. Look at the Chiefs and the Eagles' low points last year. They were they were acceptable. They the Eagles' worst game of the year. Yeah, they won. Now remember, they they almost lost to the Colts who were, you know, widely regarded as the worst team in the league. Yeah. They almost lost to them. They played a terrible game. But at the end, they found a way to do what winners do and pull it out. And the Browns found a way to lose those games. The Bengals lost to the Browns. Was their only bad game really all year? I know it was. Every other game they lost was a field goal game. Two years ago, it was almost exactly the same thing. I look look at those great teams, and one of the things that great teams do is they lean on their players, right? You know, time after time, I see teams that come into a game and they say, you know what? You know what we're going to do? Stop it. They lean on those players. Those players get targets. Those players get carries. Those players are a focal part of what they want to do. When I see the Browns, it just sometimes seems like they're just trying to mix it up. And, like, they, they, they want to have such a nice blend of run and pass and everyone gets touches. No, there's a reason why everybody don't get touches because they those people are open for a reason. They want those people to touch the ball. Harrison Bryant catching the ball over the middle for a five yard stop route is not something that is optimal. They need the to me. Everything hinges on what the hell this playbook looks like because for me, Kevin Stefan and a lot of people, Jason talks about it all the time. I think the offensive looks, I, I, the offensive looks tremendously different. Why well, ain't seen that? Like, <laughs> I can't just imagine that you go from a running team with all these tight ends and play action and boots with Baker Mayfield and Jacoby Brissett 
to a vertical well, passing game. But what choice did you yeah. have? They didn't have the quarterback to do that. But but I I'm not saying that they shouldn't have. I'm yeah. just saying I don't know if, if, if Stefanski is capable of coming up like, oh, well, now we pass the ball. We, we, I, where, where I mean, is that coming from? We haven't seen that. Well, because we haven't seen it because you haven't had the quarterback. That's we did his first year, it. though. His first year, we loved the offense. Remember, I, I, the bootlegs. That's that's fine and dandy. Like, there's a lot of stuff that his playbook to me, and this is my mo on him. He is great at coaching medium to above average people, right? Because what he calls is going to eliminate all of the. The, the the throws that you have to make as a fr- primetime guy that you can't, he eliminate those. He's going to make everything easy. He's going to make it easy and nice for you to see, and it looks good. But as defenses start to catch up with that and realize, well, they're not throwing the ball here. They don't attack this part of the field. Now the game plan but catches up with him. What player has he had? Uh, OBJ. OBJ. I don't. I don't to me, OBJ is not a great player. Coming in, supposed to be. Well, he, he, we he was at the time. About no, him he wasn't because he hadn't been good the last two years before he came he, in. He, he was he, a hell of a lot better than he played during his time in Not his last two years. He was better his last two years in New York than he was ever. Was not. You have you have to look at it like this, man. Like he had Nick Chubb, great player. Nick Chubb played great for him. Odell Beckham Jr. was definitely a great player. Coming into Cleveland, we were thrilled. We, it, were, all we were, but Jarvis, he wasn't great the last two years. He's been Jar- hurt. Well, injuries, okay. Jarvis, he, and he was hurt when he was here. But here's the thing: this is why I always go back to the video. Yeah, Amari Cooper had a great year. Here's last what year. I always go back to the video. Yeah. When you see, that's why everybody was confused. I said, "You was mad at Odell Beckham Jr. for showing." I was open here. You overthrew it. I was open here. You underthrew it. I was. How open. is that Stefanski's fault? But but here's the problem: with yeah. Stefanski's fault is this. He should have came in and said, I've said it a hundred times. Yeah. Get in front of the mic and say, look, I got to get this man the football. I got, I got to do this. Well, when you, when you have a quarterback, that's not very good. And a wide receiver who doesn't run the proper routes, it makes it tricky. That's it. That's the answer. Uh, so he so, wasn't where he was supposed to be. He was open. Just not where the quarterback was looking. I, for. I, I, I look at it like this. The reason you are here today, six, six games to figure out what you're going to do is because you need to understand that I had Kareem Hunt. I didn't use him. I had Nick Chubb. People talk about not giving the ball at certain downs and distance. You can say, oh, that wasn't that good. Okay. but Come that's, on now. But that's not fair. What do you mean that's not fair? He didn't Kareem use- Hunt was a number two running back. How much did you want to use him? He didn't even play well last uh, uh, year. You got to understand, boy. He wasn't that good. He, you agree, you agree we, with that? We always talked about Kareem Hunt. Not We said, can you use him in the same backfield? They use them in the same backfield. It's successful. And, and they then, never did it. No more. We never you know, saw them together. The bottom line is for fair, but the bottom line is for a second running back, Kareem Hunt touched the ball more, more than most second running backs, and he wasn't playing that well. He wasn't as good last Stephon year. Dig- what- Stephon Diggs had problems with Stefanski. I mean, how many people got to how many people got to say yeah. I, I, But again, Nick Chubb's been great with Stefanski. Amari Cooper was great with Stefanski. Who else is there? The what? only example is is Odell, and the, Odell hasn't had a great season since his third I, year with the Giants. I, I, he was productive after he went to the Rams, though, Bull. I mean, it's, it's, let me ask you a question. He's a hell of a lot more productive with the Rams you, than he got he was touchdowns because he was the number two receiver and playing with a much better quarterback. So let me. He, he was productive, but he played with a much better quarterback. I'll give you I understand. I'll he give was productive. you. I'll give you an example. People kill Freddie Kitchens. Yeah. Freddie Kitchens' numbers with Odell and Jarvis is better than what Stefanski's was. A thousand for a thousand for Chubb, 
a thousand for Odell, a thousand for Jarvis, five, six hundred almost with a Joku, but he was stuck garbage. So if you're gonna say, if you're gonna say, I, I'm I just saying. I don't think I, 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 first of all, Jarvis is not a great player. Jarvis was a great player. Jarvis was a great player. Jarvis was not a great player when he got here. No, nah, he was a good wide receiver. He's not a great player. Jarvis, what was his number? Didn't he have he Jarvis was the first Landry guy to have six straight seasons Jar- of eighty five yes, catches? Jarvis or Landry like that? had Hall of Fame number. No, stop. Uh, Come on. I'll bring him up. When he started his career, I can't remember what the stat was. You might be able to see it when <laughs> it was you look at his Hall line. of Fame. You guys uh, are out of your mind. I believe he had uh, Jarvis Landry was good. I'm looking at his numbers he was right now. Yeah. Hall, he has not had a single Hall of Fame season in his career. His yards and catches for his years in Miami. Hall of Fame yeah. numbers. Look at Gee, yeah. I got you. I, I, Hall of Fame's a stretch. Zero. But he's there. Not Hall of Fame. He's good. Not Hall of Fame. Good. Right. That's In 2014, 84 catches for 758 yards and five touchdowns. Okay. In 2015, 110 catches, 1,157 yards, four touchdowns. In 2016, 94 catches, 1,136 yards, four touchdowns. In 2017, 112 catches, but only 987 yards and nine touchdowns. And then he came from the Nine Browns. touchdowns, though. Zero yeah, I mean, Hall of Fame seasons. So those, I, are, those are four oh, really good seasons. So, so, so you name me. Not a Hall of Famer. Hey, okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. Name me another Cleveland Brown. I already know the answer to it. That got 100 plus well, catches. That's a whole different conversation. No, no. You but, said he was on a Hall of Fame track. That he had he, the argument. He had more catches in his first five years than Hall of Famers. He came out 84 catches as a rookie. You don't go to the Hall of Fame based on just catches. He had nine, so nine. Gee, gee. he did not have any Hall of Fame seasons. Are none. You, listen, none well, of those seasons were Hall of Fame if seasons. If you look, listen, uh, uh, you talk about 84, 84 receptions, 110 receptions, 94 receptions, 112 receptions. If these, you're just given one stat. None well, he of had those back to back 1100 yard seasons. Did he have a single Hall of Fame season? What, 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 no, you, I don't think he did. When you, say, when, when you say when you say classify Hall of Fame seasons, what I'm saying is none this, of them were the start of his totality of his career. It was on a trajectory. If he keeps that pace, he would never been a Hall of Famer. Come on, uh, now. if you keep getting 112 catches, you sure you will. No, not if you have a thousand yards and four touchdowns. He you had back to back. You know how many of, receivers of have 1100 though? So, so 1100 is not. You know how that was good when there were 16 games. That, I'm, I'm losing it, Mikey. No, Help me here. Wasn't 17 I, listen, games. I, I, I don't know what to say anymore. I, I will come to he both had defense zero on this. Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is not. I, th- I think that might be a little hyperbole. Zero. However, good player, not a great player. You know what? Call up, just, just. What he do is first fun. Call his numbers with Freddie. Call Kitchens up Chris the first Carter's year. stats and look at the first four years of his career. What? And what? And Jarvis do nothing with New Orleans. He's injured. He's out of football, basically. He no. had a in 2019. It yeah. was that Kitchens. Yeah. In 2019, he had 83 catches, 1,174 yards, and six touchdowns. Okay, that's good. Did he not crack a thousand yards again with Cleveland? Did he? No, he did not play all the games. He played 16 games that year. Yes. In what? No, in 2020 and 2021. How many games did he play? He played 15 games in 2020 and and had 840 yards and three touchdowns and 12 games in 2021, 570 yards, two touchdowns. He played. He started getting hurt, and now his career's you know basically over. A just, good player. Uh, and I want, I want Odell add, was a great player with the Giants until the last two years. Yes. I want to add one context here yeah. um, because I do think this is important. And he does have a ton of catches. There's no denying that. Yeah. But his yards, which does make a difference, 
He never ranked, and unless I'm looking at it incorrectly, which I do not believe, never ranked in the top 15 in yeah, receiving yards. No, he was not even close okay, to now, being now, a Now, just, just to – because we know Chris Carter was mm-hmm. a Hall of Famer, and yeah. this is unfair because he got cut by Philly. He had a drinking problem. But to start his career, Chris Carter had five catches, 39 catches, 45 catches, 27 catches. Who so – I'm, I'm talking about who had a, how many Hall of Fame seasons did he have? Now, hold on. Yeah. I, I said, to be yeah. fair, those were not his Hall of Fame years, yeah. clearly. Yeah. He, when he got released by Philadelphia, he completely turned it around. He had two seasons of 100 catches. Two. Okay. He had... First of all, it's a bad comparison to begin with because the, the era is that now you have guys putting up much bigger passing numbers because there's much more passing yards. I do stay sure. corrected, by the yeah. way. I want to correct myself. I lied. I'm sorry. He did finish 10th in receiving yards in 2016. He was guys 10th. that So hand up. Guys that bad. had my one bad. top 10 season in receiving yards don't go to the Hall of Fame. No. However, when I look at Chris's career, he yeah. had four years of over 1,200 yards. Right. Jarvis had zero. No. Right. But after that, yeah. uh, he didn't have – he had a fifth where he had 1,100 yards. I think I think G. Bush's statement that when he came to Cleveland, he was on a Hall of Fame track. I think that's fair. That's not even close to fair. I think it's fair because he he was, had a uh, hundred catches, hundred and ten catches two was, years in a row, he, and eleven hundred yards two right, years guys, in a row. Uh, there's no way he was those going are, to the Hall of Fame. No, I, don't, I don't know what you guys are no, talking about. You, we're not saying those were Hall of Fame numbers. We're saying that's the, that's you how Hall of Fame careers start, Bull. Jay, you am I wrong? Be, no, you're wrong. The, you can't be on a Hall of Fame track. Wow. When you've never had a Hall of Fame season. Oh, okay. So, so let me just read yes, this. Yes, you can. Um, Miami did this is this this is three years into his league. Miami, Chris Carter did it. Miami Dolphins receiver Jarvis Landry is the fastest player in league history to reach 200 receptions. The third player in the league leader in receptions. Heading to he had he was leading the league in receptions. Okay, you're and giving by one way, statistic. And, and by the way, and by yeah. the way, his teammate Odell Beckham Jr. has 199 career receptions, and he broke his record. So when you look at it, if you look trajectory wise he got here after his fourth year if you are the quickest in history to 200 catches that's all in three years no it's not a stretch to say if you continue to get those catches you're in a hall of fame type trajectory yeah he had zero hall of fame seasons you don't go to the hall of fame with zero what is a hall of fame season chris carter went to the hall of fame he wasn't in a hall of fame trajectory after his first four seasons no he wasn't one player anyway okay so let me let me give you this frank gore has he ever had a hall of fame season he did it for a long, long time, time at a very high level. There it is. A very Cur- high level. Curtis Martin, long time, very, very high, high level. level. Well, yeah, was he ever all, the best in the game? No. No, but he was very, very good for a long so, time. So the you're saying the Browns ruined Jarvis's career? No, what I'm saying. He's not that good. What I'm saying to you, his numbers. He wasn't a great player. He, but he I'm was a good player. Were you excited when great? he came here? I was. Who's, okay. a, who's, a, who's, a, who's better at their job, Jarvis Landry or Stefanski? How do I compare a player to well, a coach? Well, I'm, I'm comparing the fact that... I mean, I would say, at this point, neither is very good. Uh, Jarvis, his yeah, first four fair. years, was a good good player. Okay, well, yeah. all, all I'm saying is, we what we look at is... I mean, not, we, there's 40 receivers... Not 40 strong. 20, 25 receivers better than... Like, you guys are making it seem like every wide receiver my, my, goes to the Hall of my, Fame. My point, was, crazy with my this. point was never that Jarvis Landry is the greatest ever to put pass on. My point is yeah. that Kevin Stefanski has a real gripe. People have a real gripe to say he does not put his players in the best position I, to, to make plays. I, don't, I, re- I really just don't think there's proof of that um, at all. I, well, here's the thing. Uh, if you got Kevin... If you got Freddie Kitchens... Yeah. 
And we think he's a Jarvis horrible coach. Jarvis didn't play 17, 16 games. He was hurt. But, I don't know if this makes a difference to either of you guys, but you mentioned Curtis Martin and Frank Gore. Uh, Landry, even when he was making Pro Bowls, was never named to an All-Pro team. I'm not just based on this Hall of Fame yeah. thing. I don't think Frank Gore's a Hall of Famer person. Yeah, I, neither uh, Frank Gore, Gore neither was all pro once, and Curtis Martin was all pro three times. So I don't know if that yeah, gives I, you any validation I think what you're saying. And we're comparing by the way, to oranges who is here, the, too. With by a, the way, with the wide who was the offensive coordinator for the Vikings when Stephon Diggs had his best season? Stefanski. That's correct. But, but his only year as offensive coordinator. Yeah. That was his best season in Minnesota. Yeah. And he was like, I'm gone. And then he went to Bills, and then they spoon fed him even more. Like, so but you guys are you got you can't it's different quarterbacks, right? You went from mediocre quarterback in Minnesota to Josh Allen. Of course he's gonna put up bigger numbers. So Who was Jarvis's quarterback in Miami? No name gangster. Yeah. He put up the numbers there. I'll look it up. <laughs> he put up the numbers. I mean, if you want to bring that up. And look, he I, missed games he's due not, to injuries. I, I'm not gonna argue that he was a Hall of Famer, that, he, but yeah. but that's what a Hall of Fame. That's what the first four years of a Hall of Fame career look like. No, it doesn't. For a wide receiver, yes, it is. No, Paul, he had more cat, more more receptions yeah. than any wide receiver in their first four you, years. That's what the start no, of a Hall of Fame career looks like. Most Hall Ryan of Fame. Ryan Tannehill, by the way. No, yeah. most okay. of the Hall of Famers. There you go. Most of the guys now who we think of as Hall of, on a Hall of Fame track, yeah. are putting up much bigger numbers than he put up those first four years. What What G is saying is there's never been a wide receiver to put up that many catches in the first four years. Well, who career. knows? You guys have only repeated that thirty times. I didn't understand you were saying that. It's a you pretty, keep giving the same statistic so, well, over and over because it's a pretty good Did stat. He, has he had a Hall of Fame season in his career? He's I, had. Who, who, he, well, what, what is a Hall of Fame? Yeah. I keep asking you, what is a Hall of Fame season? A, a min, a, 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 to me, at minimum, one of these two things: eight touchdowns, twelve hundred yards. He had nine. Touchdowns he had nine touchdowns in one year. He did. That's a fact. But so, how many yards? I did guess he have you that just year? talked yourself into your own. No, point. I, that's not to the me. The season that's with not nine whole, touchdowns, oh. he had nine hundred eighty-seven yards. Yes, yeah, he missed a thousand by thirteen yards. How many catches? Uh, one hundred twelve for an eight point eight yard per catch. Yeah, average, so I think, the I think here's, here's, here's the point. That's the kind of production that we were thrilled when we got Jarvis Landry. Yeah, yeah. we were like, okay, we have a legitimate. You've, you've turned him to a Hall of Famer, which of course he's not. No, no, no. No, no you no, keep no, coming no. back. Well, you've that. said no, now no. five times he was on a Hall of Fame track, which he wasn't. L- listen, well, you, you, you have to take into consideration. Yeah. When Jar- when they went out and made a move for Jarvis Landry, they had never, and I still contend this. Yeah. The Browns have never developed a, a top flight, bona fide number one receiver. Right. They have never had a top flight receiver in the pecking order. I don't know what that has to do with Stefanski. Though. Well, here's here's my point. Yeah. When they got when they got Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Landry was looked at as here. Odell Beckham was looked at as here. Those guys came here. And, and even with well, Freddie, you Odell's numbers his last two years of the Giants, they weren't very good. Well, I mean, now well, he missed some time. Well, I mean, he he did have a thousand yards here with Freddie Kitchens. I keep saying it like it, it, you. It's hard to have two receivers with a thousand yards and a running back with a thousand yards. That's very difficult to do. My thing is, it never was about whether or not, you know, this is some Hall of Fame speech for Odell, Odell yeah. Beckham and, and, and Jarvis Landry. It's this. This season hinges on one thing. Can Kevin Stefanski in his playbook get Deshaun Watson to be not where he was, but to only to elevate and that is yet yeah. to be seen. Can he do I, that well, with an aerial course, pass? Of course attack? it's yet to be seen because he's only played six games and he didn't play well. He wasn't ready yet. Yeah. He was rusty mm-hmm. and it, 
I, I, yes, it's fair to question, is he capable of having the creative, exciting playbook you need with Watson? However, it's also fair to say he never had the player that he was comfortable doing that with. That's true. You know? That's true. So, All right. Uh, we're not going to sell anything And Amari let's, Cooper let's, let's, did have a great year. He, he had did. a great year last year. He but, did. Well, yeah, but it was how many yards? It was 1,100. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean... That those are the years that we read. That I didn't Jarvis say it was had. a whole thing. Yeah, he had a very, you know, it was he had a very, year. very similar years to Jarvis. We're going to do this. We were going to do Mark Cooper's not a whole famer machine. either. We're going to hold that till tomorrow because Brad's here tomorrow. We're going to get Brad in on it. Yeah, yeah. We might as well so save it. It's opening day, so that topic is timely. We got to do it today. Before it, we do it, was it, a though, fun question. You ask it because you came up with the I'll question. I'll ask you guys before I do that. I want to remind everybody that if you're not already a member of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, then right now is the perfect time to join. For a buck ninety nine a month, you get loyalty badges, yes, custom emojis, just like the happy and sad faces we were holding up earlier, and members only community posts for four ninety nine a month. That puts you in the coaches tier, member the big ballers member. You get all the same starter tier perks. You get overtime content every day. Member shout outs. You get to ask questions that we answer on typically Fridays and Mondays. Discount codes for merch at the Cleveland Clothing Company. You get to text with Jason Lloyd for select Cavs games, and much much more that's in the works as we will continue to make that the best value bargain on the market. We're going to save the hypothetical trade for tomorrow. We're going to get Brad in on that. But it is opening day, and this is something I thought might be applicable, even if it's a little silly. If the Browns and Cavs played in a game of baseball, who'd be better? I thought about this because it was an interesting <laughs> question. I thought about it for it's a stupid. long time. Listen, everyone out there, this is a dumbass question, I know, but it will have some fun. But if it. I told everybody watching right now, hey, as soon as we're off the air, there's going to be a baseball game, a nine-inning baseball game played between the Browns and the Cavs. Out of curiosity alone, you have to watch that. Yeah. yeah. Now, the you Browns have, have an inherent that. advantage yeah. that they have a much bigger roster. That's what I came up with. Ultimately, <laughs> I said their drawing pool is so much bigger. Yeah. But what about Donovan Mitchell? I know. Donovan Mitchell is definitely going to be the best player on the field. However, you're going to have guys playing for the Cavs that probably have never played baseball. You're and on the Browns roster, you got 53 guys to choose from. I like that. You're going to get nine guys that played baseball, and some of them probably at a very high level. And you know why I take that is because I don't know if Kellen Mound played any sort of baseball. Do you know that? I do not believe Kellen played Qu- baseball. Quarterbacks. Or most quarterbacks, quarterbacks pitched pitch. at some point. And he all was a military I need is kid one pitcher. All around, so no, that doesn't tougher. mean he can't play Little League. It, I mean – it, it, all I need is one pitcher that played in high school, that played a little bit in college. And he'll dominate the and other And he'll squad. dominate. He'll, yeah. He's, yeah, give me that's, that's Mitchell, though. Mitchell's dad was a major league pitcher. Here's the problem. To win, you got to score. Am I lying? Facts. Yeah. Okay. And I just don't know. I don't know. I, 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 so I closed my eyes, and I, I pictured Evan Mobley with a uh, baseball bat. Oh, GB Christmas. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> Jetty Osmond playing baseball. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. I would pay to see zone. it. I would pay to see Lamar it. Lamar Stevens just up there just just flailing away. Rubio's probably never played the game where he grew up, so we can scratch him right off the list. Now, Donovan's going to dominate the game. He's going to be very, very good. He'll be the best player. I don't think there'll be much. But I think Miles Garrett played baseball, didn't he? He did. And played it well, and I think he was even pitched. I don't know. I'd like to I would see think him Deshaun try to pitch Watson now. could probably pitch. You would think, right? Yeah. I mean, pitchers usually, I mean, quarterbacks yeah. have strong arms. They usually were pitchers and the best one in their league mm-hmm. when they were young. Yeah. Yeah. Darius Garland, by the way, a very good high school baseball player as well. Who? That changes the equation. I, again, I just think it comes down to drawing pool. If you have tryouts and you've got yeah. 15 guys that show up, 
and you have another team has tryouts and 53 guys show up and most of them are great athletes. They're yeah. all professional athletes. Yeah, I got to go. With Just the give me the bigger drawing pool. Yeah. It's right. like it's yeah. like in high school, the triple A school, the bigger school has more kids to draw right, from. Therefore, they're likely going to put together an overall better team. This, Not always, but usually. This would be the only reason for the Browns to trade for Kyler Murray. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. The only reason. Or Russ Wilson. Yeah. Russell Wilson yeah. was a hell of a pitcher. Yeah. But Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray was a top 10 pick, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah. He was the Number real seven overall. He was the real deal. That's why the A's suck, ball. They used the first round pick on Kyler Murray. <laughs> they never suited up for him. That's a good point. That well, that's not the only reason. They yeah, suck. that's one of many reasons Man, why crazy. they suck. Billy B. Billy B. needs to do a right. Needs is, a, a new theory because Moneyball ain't working. Would, would there no, it's ever, not. Is there ever a reason for like? Would there ever be a reason for a baseball player to turn down a, like, uh, or, or actually a football player to turn down a football contract over a baseball one? Like I, I don't. Well, there's an example. Yeah, baseball players make more money unless you're a quarterback. Yeah, like John Elway and the, picked well, football. I got a recent example. Jeff Samarja, remember him? Yeah, he was a right. really good yeah, receiver he, at Notre he, Dame. He was a hell of a pitcher. And but he, he but he, he made his name in college, obviously at football. as a football. And he went. And then he ended up signing with the Cubs. Eventually went to the Giants. After a couple of good years early, he kind of went down the tubes, but he I'm, still made a ton of money. I, I, yeah, he how, did. Much, how much money did he make pitching? I bet he Jeff made Samarja? in the millions. I would guess. Oh, oh. I mean, Samarja, yeah, probably yeah, he had a couple million. of years. hundred. Oh, I don't know about a hundred million. That's damn. yeah. I'd be surprised if it was a hundred million. Oh, I'll tell you, Jeff Samarja. Jeff Samarja, according to Spotrack. Man, that'd be a lot of money Come for on, a mediocre guy. Signed a five-year, ninety million. Oh contract. hell no! Nah. Wow. He oh, made a, he made, a, he made a hundred and twenty-two point seven two five million. My Shut God, up. he stole that money. Shut and think about and he, think about this. He was going <laughs> to touch that in the NFL. Never. So again, if you have a son. The, the, baseball. Good gracious. Baseball. He basically, with the Cubs early in his career, pitched well. But then he went to the Giants, and for the Giants, in he found out there, didn't he? He, he, with he, most of his money made with the Giants, ninety something million. In his five years with the Giants, he had a four twenty four ERA. This, this is for mediocrity. Yeah, for mediocrity. For mediocrity, and, they yeah. made. They, 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 who's, the, who's that third baseman that used to play for the Yankees? That you uh, was that Michigan? Oh, Drew. Henson. Oh, Henson. Drew yeah. Henson. How much, Drew Henson yeah. made a boatload of money too. Like. No, he didn't make it to the. I mean, he barely played in the majors. You know? Do you remember? Oh God, he played for the Blue Jays and the Celtics. Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge. Yeah. Danny Ainge had well. Dave Winfield was a great both. player in three sports. Drafted in all three. Yeah. Can you imagine that? The. the uh, yeah. Oh, that, what talent you have that you're yeah. drafted in all three. Well, he was huge. I mean, was Massive. Six, eight. And a great athlete. Yeah, Just incredible. a great athlete. Drew right. Henson signed a $17 million contract with the Yankees, by the way. <laughs> so. And that was way back in the and day. And that was way back. And he how was, many, that was good. way back. He, he barely – how many at-bats <laughs> did he have in the majors? $17 million guaranteed. And how he many at-bats did he have in the majors? Very few. He barely played. Yeah, Bro. he was never a staple for the Yankees. But it was never good. But I don't. No. But, but so, so. But here's the thing about baseball. I can't believe though. they gave him that. That's crazy. I'm still bad. That is. That is. I'm a, hurt. <laughs> I think the Samarja thing is more that absurd. Well, was it, well, it's like, wasn't Tom Brady drafted? He was by the Expos. Late. Yeah, very late. But he, yeah. was he? Did he actually play baseball at Michigan no. too? Oh I yeah. I, I, no, I. I, I don't, don't know, think he Michigan. did. But he was very, very good in high school. Like, like you know, he was definitely being drafted, uh, recruited, and there was a potential that he might even be drafted out of high school, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. But with Brady, 
Brady's career arc is one of the oddest. I mean, Brady didn't even start his entire senior no. year at Michigan. No. By the way, Drew Henson. They had, were splitting time. Drew Henson only had nine at bats in his entire career in the majors. Wow. So, and he made 17 million. One for nine. Like, so that's about 650,000 per at bat. Yeah. So, so we John say, Elway was drafted ahead of Tony Gwynn. What? John Elway <laughs> used his draft status in baseball as leverage for the Colts to trade him. Yeah. Because he just said, I'll just go play baseball, which was a brilliant play for him. He had the ability to do that. But Guardians you, have officially announced the Jimenez extension, by the way. It was obviously oh, it was all reports, but now it's official. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's they officially say it's seven years through. The team the, is always the last to report it. Through the twenty nine season, the club there was some confusion as to whether the contract started this year or next. And does it? Uh, well it's a seven year extension, so four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, so it starts this year. It does start this year. Yes. And so the club option is So that's not an extension, that's a new contract. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always looked at the language as important. An so extension to I guess me technically it's means a six they're years. adding years on to your deal, which means this year would be in four. Right. So it's six-year extension. Yes. And then a club option for a seventh year. Yeah. Wow. So they control him through 2030, which, you know, by that point he'll be 31. 32, 31, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So. 24 now. Yeah. I do want to remind everybody one more time that the lunch hour of the colleague, the lunch hour of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show is sponsored by Colleague Racing, the official NASCAR team of Northeast Ohio. I have a super chat to read real quick before we get to a one last look at tonight's opening day game for the Guardians. Demond says, I believe Bull lost some brain cells when he shaved his beard. His IQ is higher when he has the beard. Bring it back, Bull. This new <laughs> the guy's power a of the beard. Power of the beard. But on the Jarvis Landry thing? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I, I believe that's what I just don't understand. Yet. Jarvis Landry's not anywhere close to a Hall of Famer. I don't know what the argument is. No, he's not. But the, four, the first four years he had, to say that that's not the way a Hall of Fame career starts, I think that's what they're talking about. Yeah, just if... if that's the way a Hall the, of Fame career starts. Not really. It is. No, it, it, unless it, he would have to get significantly better. And yeah, nowadays, but that's guys, what we talked about. That, that, that's yeah, how the, one starts. The great players now don't start with those kind of years. They start even better. The best wide receiver. Well, well, no one's done OBJ's it. first three years. No one's done it better. He broke OBJ's record. And You're catches. picking one stat as if that's the only stat that matters. What's the big stat? You want you, you want the guy to catch the ball? Receptions is the biggest stat for you guys me. Want OBJ's I look at, first I look three at, years just for comparison. Yeah, yeah. OBJ is a rookie. Ninety-one catches, thirteen hundred and five yards, twelve touchdowns. That's a Hall of Fame season. His second season, ninety-six catches, fourteen hundred fifty yards, thirteen touchdowns. Hall of Fame season. Yep. No His doubt. third season, a hundred and one receptions. 1,367 yards, 10 touchdowns. So, yep. that, that, was, so that was his first three years, right? Yeah. Correct. And, and what are you doing the next two years? And, and so the next two years, right? Now he was on a Hall of Fame oh. track. That's 1,000% right. But I also think that, you know, was Jarvis as good? No. But, by the way, OBJ to the Hall of Fame is going to be an inter interesting question. No chance. He didn't do it long enough. No, three years. He didn't do it, it at that oh, level oh. long enough. And, by the way, 
to your point, yeah. he had a Hall of Fame quarterback throwing him the football those first three years. And once he had anybody but Eli throwing him the ball, although I do think he had some success with the Rams, much better quarterback than he had here in Cleveland. But he's got to do it. He's got to come back. He's got to do it for five more years. Eli, most overrated quarterback in the history of the NFL, Mikey. Congratulations. Oh, and, and, and you got to think about you it. You know what? I don't know that I'd say that, but I'd say this. He's the most, like, diet, like it's it's – his good was great, was all-time great. Two-time Super Bowl MVP, made it to the Super Bowl twice, won the Super Bowl both times. Put some respect. Never won another career, playoff game. Rest though. of his career was just a guy. Never so, won another playoff so, game. So when you talk, when you talk about the, when you say when they were coming here, yeah. think about what he he did before he got here. He had the 91-1305. What did he do the two years oh, before he got 96, here? 96-1450. Yeah, we got it. 101-1367. Yeah. The next year, he only played in four games. Yeah, he was hurt. The whole year. Right. right. The next year, he came back and had 1,052 yards and six touchdowns. So That's he, not great. Hold, but, but you got to understand, no. he had... And then so, his first year with the Browns, so he did the same one, thing. One, two, three, four. So there's six years. Five of those years, so that's five thousand yards. Yep, and, and, then and the foul. only one he didn't have was he was hurt the whole season. GG, you th- th- his fifth year we had a thousand fifty-two. Right, that's not the same as though he wasn't the same player that he was those first three years. He was like all-time great. So a thousand fifty-two yards for for a guy that good so, is not that impressive. So, so what we're saying is, and then he had a thousand yards in his first year with the Browns. So so and then the second year he got hurt. If, so what do you want to do? What I, what I'm saying is when he, how many games did he play the first year with Kevin Stefanski? How many games did he play? Was that 2020? No, 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 no. Excuse 14, me. Uh, 2020, that was he played right? seven games. Seven, he played, he played uh, seven, seven games. And how many yards did he have? 319, three touchdowns. He played seven games. Oh. I mean, he only played seven games. How do you blame Stefanski for that? What I'm well, saying. double that. If you want to get his yearly production, double it and add a little bit. It's still going to be a sub, way subpar year. Eight touchdowns, give or take. And they won. Yeah, so, who cares? Sub. That year they won. But Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's a subpar year for him. I'm just saying when they both got it's here. It's really six games because he got hurt in the beginning of that seven. When Jarvis and Odell got here, people were super excited because they were putting up thousands a year. And we had Brian yes. Rubisky. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any argument that yes. the Jarvis Landry, Obel, Odell Beckham Jr. time in Cleveland was a big disappointment. Yes. Especially more, but more Odell than and Jarvis. And I think for me. that's your overall point. Yeah. But, but my overall point is I don't. I think it's unfair to put all of that on Stefanski. I think. Oh no, yeah, that's, that's, that's not. It, it's never all the coach. No, no, no. Never. I'm not it's saying it, that. You know, it's the whole ball. Of I just wax. feel like some people have given Odell a complete pass, and I think that's bogus. Uh, I definitely don't give him a complete pass. Yeah, I mean, he, no listen, way. He, he don't like. Why we sitting here and he's he's not signed? I mean, right. you don't get a complete pass. Right. right. So, but context to to whatever the situation. Stefanski, get your playbook together. That's all I'm saying. That's it. We all yeah. agree on that. It has That's to be it. better. It has to be better. All right, uh, we're done for today. We'll wrap up the week tomorrow um, with another show. We'll recap the Guardians season opener tomorrow and much much more. Overtime is next. I hope you're a Coach's Tier member. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.